We are almost live at the Loon Cafe, downtown Minneapolis, show sponsored by Grain Belt. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. To my far right, Lavelle Emil III from the Star Tribune. To my immediate right, Roy Smalley, who was just showing off his World Series championship ring from 1987. Uh, I don't have one. Roy does. Uh, I'm Jim Suhan from Talk North and the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Thank you all for being here. Thank you to Loon Cafe for hosting us. And thank you to Grain Belt for sponsoring the show and the network. We do appreciate it. Let's just start here. Cubbies are in town. We're doing a pregame show at the Loon Cafe, kind of the ultimate pregame baseball bar in downtown Minneapolis. And Lavelle, let's just get into it. You are the biggest Cubs fan I know. Tell us about growing up as a Cubs fan <laughs> in Chicago. That's not necessarily true. I grew up in Chicago, but I grew up a Southsider fan. So I, I apologize to the Cubs fan out there. I will tell a story right quick, though. One of the coolest things I ever did during my young adulthood was that I bought tickets for my father and my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather took the train in from Southwest to Michigan, and we went to go see a Cubs game because our birthdays were coming up. I wanted to do something nice for my dad and my granddad. So we went to the Cubs-Mets game in 1988. This is when Goose Gossage was 36 years old and declining in, in his ability. And he came on in the top of the ninth inning to face the Mets and gave up a grand slam to Kevin McReynolds. I started cheering from where I was in the stands, and someone threw beer at me, and I didn't <laughs> care. <laughs> but it was a blast. That is a good Chicago story right there. And by the way, Goose Gossage is going to walk through that door and bean you for, for ripping on him. Uh, I think we know somebody who probably had a few at-bats against Goose Gossage. <laughs> I had a few at-bats against Goose. I played uh, shortstop behind him a few, uh, many, many times. So, yeah, Goose is, uh, he won't come in and bean him. He'll just, he'll, he'll. He'll beat the snot out of him. <laughs> I'll tell him I'm friends with George Brett. <laughs> oh, man. So, Roy, uh, you, you were a big league player before interleague play. Did you get to play at Wrigley? I never played at Wrigley. Wow. Oh, man. The only time I saw Wrigley was from the time I was born until I was uh, not quite two years old when my dad got traded. But, you know, my, my cub story is my dad played shortstop for, them for six years, 48 to 54. Right. Before Ernie? Uh, my dad was the starting shortstop until Ernie, this guy named Ernie Banks came along. And my dad was down the road after that. He went to Milwaukee and, and, Philly, and Philly. So here's the deal. Uh, again, this is Chin Music. This is our baseball show from TalkNorth.com. Been doing the show a long time. Uh, two great partners here. Our producer is Brandon Morton. He's been with us forever and makes all this stuff happen. Again, we're at the Loon Cafe, downtown Minneapolis. I tell you where it is, but you already know. Uh, thanks again to Grain Bell for sponsoring the live show. Thanks also to uh, Aquarius Home Services. We are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Aquarius Home Services, All Energy Solar, and First Minnetonka City Bank, where your locally owned community bank. Uh, so the Twins have a lot going on, man. I was talking to some people. That it feels like there's so many moving parts right now. And I feel like I have a premonition. Okay, Jose Miranda gets sent down. I think we all think he still has a chance to be a good major league player, but he needed a little work. Kyle Farmer's filling in. I think he could probably do that admirably. But, man, isn't it setting up for Royce Lewis to come here in about a month and make all the difference in the world? Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's, that's right now the plan if Miranda's not uh, fixed by, you know, the, by June or June, the first week in June. Um, Royce is going to – he's playing third, uh, third at AA Wichita right now. He's going to be added to 
St. Paul in time for their next road trip that begins on Tuesday. And he's going to play third, and Miranda's going to move over to first, and then they're going to mix it up with uh, Royce shifting between short and third, and Miranda shifting from first and third. And that's how they're going to play it out. But um, Lewis acquitted himself very well last year when he got called up before he hurt his knee. And um, the Twins want to see if, he's, if he can get ready quick enough to make a difference with this squad, he will be up here because they need any right-handed hit, hit uh, ability they can get. And, Roy, uh, I love the guy's personality, his charisma, his obvious talent. You're obviously our hitting expert here. Uh, you know, what we saw from him last year, is he, I think he had about a 900 OPS when he was up here. He hit the ball hard a lot. Uh, do you think it's going to translate to another trip through the major leagues? Well, I think it will. Uh, ultimately, it depends on how, how fast it happens. And then it depends on, as we saw with Jose uh, Miranda last year, had a terrific year for a rookie year. And the sophomore jinx got him. And, and um, you know, teams adjust, pitchers adjust, hitters have to adjust as you go, as you go along. And for Royce, uh, he's got a world talent. Everything you said about him is, is, is true, in my opinion. And I think what we saw from him is for real. But the big leagues is a different animal than it is anywhere else. And I think he's got to, you know, he's got to prove it in AAA. He's got to hit his way up here just like anybody else. And once he does that, then he's going to have to, he's going to, have to stick it. So uh, we don't have a mic for this uh, setup just because where our speakers are positioned. But if you want to come up and ask a question of Roy Lavelle, even me, uh, the best question of the night will get a Tony Oliva Hall of Fame bobblehead. Uh, anybody else wants to walk by, you can get one of these Shell's beer can openers. I will steal one if there's one left at the end. And Lavelle will pick two people who ask live questions or who are wearing something unusual to hand a, uh, off a cup of uh, Grain Belt uh, trucker hats. Or buys, me, or buys me a drink. Or whoever buys Lavelle a drink. I am, I am that from, also I am from would Chicago, work. so I'm we, a, we my, don't my, have, my palm is out. <laughs> we, we don't have enough hats to give away for that. So... Big, the big news of the week, Tyler Malley Ugh. opts for... Did you have yes. a question? Did you have a question? Yeah, let's Come go. Let's hear it. What do you got? Question about the French-Canadian in AAA, Edouard Julian. What yes. was your first impression, Roy? Uh, I loved his, uh, uh, his stroke at the plate. I loved his uh, aggressiveness. Uh, it looks like he really has an idea about uh, what he's trying to do up there. Uh, the Yankee pitching staff worked him over. He had a, he had a, uh, one really good game, and then the next uh, next few games in New York and and uh, later on, uh, where'd they go to uh, Boston? He had some real moments, but they started working him over with changeups and breaking ball. I mean, this is just a classic. It's what happens. You know, guys come up able to hit a fastball, and then it's like, okay, can you hit something with a wrinkle in it? Kirilov, Larnick, and what's that? Kirilov, Larnick, Larnick the same way. And Larnick, yeah. Larnick has hit. He, Early this season, he hit a lot of change-ups for home runs and RBI singles and doubles, but he's he's not quite there yet. And they're gonna they're gonna start back and forth in him with uh, with different speeds, and um, I I think he's got a chance to hit. I but again, it's not that easy. You know, you 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 play well in AAA, you hit the ball well, you get up to big leagues, and then it's like okay, I'm gonna have to notch it up a little bit. What do you think the organization thinks of Julian and his future? Well, I think they're really high on him. I, if you remember, this is kind of tied into the Tyler Molly situation. But when they made the trade, they traded Spencer Steer and they traded uh, Incarnation. Christian Incarnation, Incarnation Strand. Yes. And um, the, the reason there is because they, they felt they had depth 
with infielders. And that was because of Miranda. That's because of Julian. That was because of Royce Lewis. They and Brooks Lee. And Brooks yeah. Lee, exactly. They felt they, they, they could trade from that depth. Uh, both Steering and Kanarshi and Strand are not good defensive players, by the way. So, uh, uh, the Reds just moved Steer off third for, and put Nick Senzil there. But Iconosh uh, and Strand's raking at AAA right now. Although he's committed three errors in 15 games, which projects to 30 errors in 150 games. So, but, um, so they, they believe in Julian's bat. And once you see, you saw the ability, the ability to make contact. He's not afraid at the plate. Um, defense is not a strong suit. Uh, he may be a worse second baseman than, than uh, or a worse infielder than Miranda. To be honest, he's going to have to take some work uh, to improve in that area. But the bat plays. And if he, if he can hit, he, he'll, he'll return to the majors, and the Twins will figure out what to do with him. But very promising swinger. I mean, uh, uh, swinger with, that, uh, with his ability to make contact. So the big news of the week is Tyler Miley uh, opting for Tommy John surgery, done for the year, maybe done as a twin. He's a free agent at the end of the season. He's going to have to rehab. Uh, you know, they, he had projected to be a very good number four starter. Now Ober's your four, Varlin's your five. When Maeda comes back, he might be your five. He might be a utility pitcher. They might package Varlin and Maeda on the fifth day. A lot of different ways to go here, but they obviously lose some depth here. Uh, one of our, our more irascible uh, cohorts was texting me during the game. Okay, Roycey. Roycey was texting me during the game yesterday. You got to rip him for this. Uh, I chose a different option. I didn't rip him for the Mally trade. Should... Did, should, do they deserve any criticism for a key player they traded for being injured, or is this just pitcher's luck? Go ahead. You can go first. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I think the only time you get, you, they have to get ripped on, you know, on that is if, okay, we know he's got a bad elbow or he's had these problems in the past. But we think we, he's, he's over that now. Or, you know, I mean, I don't know. How, how are you going to know? I mean, I thought everybody thought that there's – no second guessing. You don't get to second guess. You can't have it both. You got ways. a first guess. You got a first guess. And the first guess, everybody thought, "Holy cow!" Yep. Tyler uh, Malley is a fourth starter, and this from where the Twins came from a pitching staff, and now you got Tyler Malley as your fourth guy. Yes. Where everybody's going, that's wonderful. Well, okay, he blows out his elbow. It was still wonderful. It's just not wonderful now, and they and you couldn't know that you couldn't know it. Yeah, my a, humble opinion. He had a three one six ERA in five starts before he before yeah. he broke down. Um, I, I, I I'm waffling on this a little bit because because you can't you're not in someone's body. You don't. He wasn't feeling discomfort to ring a bell. You know, the ring the the warning bell that something was wrong. The twins have all this data. You know, they have all this st- statistical analysis. They have spin rates. They have all these warn things that can give them the warning signs that something's wrong with a the pitcher. They hired a guy. I'm not going to say his name. They hired a guy who apparently his forte was seeing guys' injuries before they happened, you know? And Molly still broke down. And then, when he, and then Rocco admitted that this guy had a lot of stuff going on once they did the deep examination on him. So I, I think the Twins have not, have been, have not been afraid to take risk. Um, Chris Paddock, uh, had, the Padres almost traded Paddock to the Mets. The Mets looked at Paddock's medicals and said, we don't want to touch this. The Twins looked at Paddock's medicals and said, We'll take the risk, you know? And they rolled the dice, and now Pag needs a second Tommy John. He's coming back from a second Tommy John. So are they a little too uh, loose with their beliefs about pitchers staying healthy? Are they trusting their medical staff too much? Or is it just a bad roll? You know, you just 
You're playing craps and you rolled seven. I can see with Paddock, I, I can see criticism there because they did roll the dice. Just as you said, it's exactly as you said. And they rolled the dice and they lost. Okay, well, it's on, it's on them. I, don't, I just don't see how you foresee Mally. I, I, we all loved him at, as a four-starter. Two things. Uh, number one, they have changed the head of their training staff since they made these deals. That's the fourth one in three years. Yep. But they have, this is a new training staff, so might be a reason there's a new training staff. Um, number two, talking to people in the Twins organization at the ballpark this week, one thing they, you know, we kind of started pumping them for how do you go about all this. And what they said was, hey, when somebody's a free agent, you can poke, you can prod, you can do full physicals, you can have different doctors in. He said, when you make a trade, all you really get is a printout of the guy's medical history from the other team. Right. Everybody's got to trust each other. That's all the information you've got. If you're, if you're going to worry about injured players, you're probably not going to make any trades. Yeah. I will point out, too, that the Twins thought something was rotten in Denmark with Sam Dyson. The whole Sam yeah. Dyson situation when he got traded from San Francisco. They, they suspected that the Giants held back on some information uh, that they weren't allowed to see that may have uh, shaped their decision on that trade. Yeah. And I think that was, I think that, and I, that's the sense I also got. I think they thought they got screwed on the Dyson deal. Yeah. I think the Paddock thing, they did roll the dice because he's such a, a talent, such a physical specimen. They lost, at least short term. Maybe he ends up pitching really well for him down the road. And I think Malley, I mean, you could, you could have been worried that he had had some shoulder fatigue. Right. But, God. Don't, well, pitchers always have something wrong with all <laughs> It's just the way but it the is. Reds, the Reds were letting him roll. He was pitching seven, eight innings for them. You yeah. know, and, and the manager of the Reds told Rocco, you can leave this guy in. He can go a third time through the order. You know, he could be a horse. You know, and Rocco was fired up about that. So, yeah. um, it's, man, it's just it's weird. But here's the thing. This is happening to a lot of teams. I mean, the Twins tried to trade for Frankie Montas a year ago. And good thing they didn't because he's broken down and down for the year, too. So, it happens. It's that's why it's so hard to have a strong pitching staff, man, because... Yeah. Um, I mean, shoulder, shoulder fatigue is... Yeah. I mean, you gotta, if that's all you ever have on your squad, you got, you're, you're in great shape. So let's get into the rotation now. Uh, Pablo Lopez has pitched well, very well. I could see him pitching even better as he settles in. Sonny Gray's been spectacular. Yep. Pitching tonight over at Target Field against the Cubbies. Uh, Joe Ryan's been... Joe Ryan has been excellent. Yes. Uh, Ober... He's a sub-2 ERA. Hard to complain about that. Right. Varland, I think, has a lot of guts and hangs in there. And Might is coming back in some role here with, in a, probably a matter of weeks. And then your next guy up after that might be Simeon Woods-Richardson at this point. How are you feeling about their pitching depth at this moment? Oh, I, I love it. I mean, I, I, think, it's, I think it's terrific. I, the, it is not just because they've got more talent deeper. Um, They've got guys that are pitching really well, top four guys, let's say, pitching really well. The guys that you mentioned, Gray and Lopez and Ryan and Ober, and their stats are where they are because they deserve to be that low. They are pitching really well. This, is not, this has not been fluky, which is not to say that it's, we're looking at guys that are going to win, the four guys are going to win 18 games for the rest of their careers, 18 games a year. What it, what it is saying, though, is fastballs around the zone, not in the middle, breaking balls that are competitive, change-ups that are really good, idea about how they pitch with their stuff, each one of them. Uh, has, it, it, you, you can tell that there is a plan. 
and they're pitching to the plan with with good stuff and good location. So you never know that that's going to be you know automatic unless you you got Clayton Kershaw and you know uh, you know what he's going to do. But for these guys, the way they're pitching, I mean, it's it's it has not been a fluke. It's been it's been real location stuff and location wise, it's been really good. It was looking a lot nicer at the beginning of the year when Ober and Varland was two in the in the minors and they had to dip into it. Uh, Simeon Woods Richardson, I was at uh, the Saints game last night and he started. Um, he had some trouble getting his breaking stuff over. Indianapolis scored a run in the first inning on Fielder's Choice and Woods gave him a three run homer. I want to say in the uh, in the third inning, ended up going like five plus. You know, gave up four runs. Uh, it was kind of just so so. You know, couldn't get couldn't get his breaking stuff over consistently. Um, threw a nice fastball, 94 miles an hour. Type of guy who you know could come up and spot start for you. After that, they could be like Aaron Sanchez or something like that, uh, um, who would have to uh, uh, step up and help out the team. So um, it's still decent depth. They had, they've had to rely on some of it now. It'll be huge when my edit gets back in line. The one thing I have to point out too: Bailey Ober has not thrown 100 innings in a season since his freshman year at the College of Charleston. All right, and that's going to come into play here in August about the workload. So they got to get this. Uh, they got to build depth during the season, so they can have some guys ready to step in or at least spot start. Or they can just trade for five more pitchers. Yeah, they just do that every summer because they had Winder came in out of the bullpen. Jordan Valusovich is being moved into a, a middle relief role. You know, so come trade deadline, and it'll be interesting to see at the trade deadline what the Twins do because they got some guys that can move if they have to. And they may be in the market for another starting pitcher. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, once again, this is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at talknorth.com. If you're listening at home, best way to listen to this show or any show on the network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. We will be doing periodic live shows in conjunction with Grain Belt. We are at the Loon Cafe tonight. And thanks to Grain Belt for putting the show on. Uh, once again, come up to me. Uh, give me a live question that I can ask the gentleman. Best live question of the night will win a Tony Oliva uh, Hall of Fame bobblehead. We have a contestant. And Lavelle is giving away two Grain Belt trucker hats. And anybody walking by, feel free to grab a Shell's uh, can opener. Yes, sir. Great question. Uh, hey, how's that hat? <laughs> uh, oh, he even, he even has good hands. How about that? Uh, his question for us, he knows we're all big music fans. Uh, what would each of us have as our walk-up song? Huh. Of, course, of course, Roy, did, do you guys have walk-up music oh, in heck, your career? Heck no. No, I didn't think so. No. I, mine, mine's easy. Mine would have been The Impossible Dream. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's fantastic. The Impossible Dream. Lavelle, no, what do you got? Or either that or a real, my real answer probably would be uh, Stones, Can't You Hear Me Knocking. Oh, that's pretty I good. Just, as I was walking up, I would just want to hear Keith Richards. That'd be good. How about you, Lavelle? Just because I just... One of my favorite songs and it's had such a great beginning. It'll be Mighty Love by the Spinners. Oh, ooh, that's good. That's yes, awesome. that's really that's good. That's an awesome yeah. song. Um, I could pick one of any eight million songs. They're all rushing through my head right now. Just as a message to the pitcher, since I had already struck out three times, <laughs> and I'm going to the plate for, for to try to get the so you want the you, you want the impossible dream too. Huh? I, I no, I, I'm going to say won't be won't get fooled again. Oh, nice. <laughs> Even though I would. That's a good I, one. I don't I want that. them to think that I would. Uh, great question. Thank you. That's excellent. Uh, so Varland, tough kid, pitches with guts. 
He's at his actually has more velocity than I think you think. He's thrown 98 in the minors. He's thrown 96 up here. Yep. Uh, Roy, is the stuff going to play long term in the big leagues? Do you think he's going to? Yeah. The answer is yes. If he can throw his changeup knee high instead of instead of mid thigh, but to belt high, which he's been, you know, he's got a nice changeup. He's got nice arm action. He's got nice fade, but the ball has stayed in the middle of the plate a lot. And uh, then the other thing is the. Uh, it's just the, the breaking ball. Whatever, whatever he comes up with, with the breaking ball ultimately, and whether that's competitive, will, will, will spell the, the difference. I mean, that, that's it because he's got enough fastball. There's no question he's got it, and he's got the makeup. I think I like, you know, you kind of alluding to him being a bulldog, and I think he is. I think he's a tough kid. So I like his fastball, but it, it's, it's all about having three pitches that they, that hitters have to worry about, and and three because. You don't know that you, you don't really think you're going to get one in the middle of the plate. And to the degree that you put, you know, that's the one problem with Maeda now, Lavelle. I mean, I, I, I'd like him to come back full strength. I mean, I, I've always been a Maeda fan since the, he was with the Dodgers. Right. And when he had the big year, first year here, he pitched just like he'd always pitched the Dodgers. I love that. But the last, you know, two years that he has pitched, there have been two out of three sliders spin right in the middle of the plate uh, to, to every hitter. I mean, and I... You know, cut him some slack. He had, you know, he he's got a bionic arm, and you know, and I and I get that, but the trend has been there, and it's still there, and at some point in time, that's got to not be the case. You know, the thing about Varlin that, that that I like is that he he has a different personality on the on the mound than he does off the mound. Because I was warned when he came up from St. Paul, this this guy's nervous, he's kind of unsure, not comfortable, you know, doing media stuff, um, but. He seems to be a polite young man, but there's an edge to him when he gets on the mound that I, that I really like. And you pointed out how he doesn't back down, and he, he, he throws it over, you know. And he says, I'm, I'm not going to go out like a punk. I'm going to throw my best stuff, and I'm going to put it on the plate and see what you can do with it. And I, I like that part about him. Um, Maeda, yeah, his, he came up the first uh, outings he had this year. Uh, his usage percentage of what he was, the percentage of time starting to change up in the slider, been the same as in the past. Um, but when you get worried by someone coming back from Tommy John, um, the control is like one of the last things to come. And yes, yeah, so some pitches have spun and hung in the middle of the plate. So, yeah, <laughs> so he's slowly working his way back. He's not doing any throwing uh, yet, um, but that should be coming up here in the next week or so. So I would guess he would be about a month away once that happens. So I'm guessing Maeda by the mid-June, late June maybe. And, you know, maybe he, he'll be a better version when he gets back. So we talked about, speaking of personalities, we talked about Emilio Pagan last week. The fact that he's pitched really well since that one outing in Boston. The fact that he's been almost bubbly in the clubhouse. He was that way in spring training. He's been that way this year. He really was that way a lot last year. I ended up talking to, a lot, to him a lot on Thursday afternoon. And he was really interesting, really forthcoming. He was saying, hey, you know, we're not supposed to talk like this. We're not supposed to admit this, but... I feel financial pressure. You know, I, when I pitch lousy, when I have to worry about whether I'm going to be on a team next year, when I have to think about arbitration, he said, it gets to me. You know, it, it bothers me. And I, I, I knew that I was pitching for my job and my career last year, and, and it kind of messed with me. He said this year he's cleaned up his delivery. Uh, he's pitching with more confidence. His, his, his breaking pitch moves a lot more. He was great on Thursday, and he's been great other than that one outing. Yeah, ever. ever. We talked about him last week, and Lavelle rightly said, you know, I'm not ready to say he, he's over the hump. and he absolutely, This is the pitcher he's going to be. But since Lavelle said that, 
he's added two or three appearances where it's, um, you know, one inning, no hits, strikeout or two, no walks. You know, I mean, he's pitched really, really well. And, and you know, that stuff should play. I mean, it, as we've all, we've all said. So, obviously, you can't separate the physical from uh, the mental in, in this game, or in any sport. But baseball will, will grind on you. And evidently, that's, it was grinding on him. And maybe his whole that giddiness that you see in the clubs, maybe that's his defense against, you know, not getting too down, whatever it takes, so that you get the best out of the ability that you have. The thing, too, is that um, the rise of John Duran and the trade for Pablo Lopez uh, made it possible that Pagan could pitch in the sixth and seventh inning oh, sure. instead of the eighth and ninth inning. And I think he's been able to get his confidence back that way and have some positive results. And so then when you're going to need him a couple of times in the eighth inning, you know, he's going to be ready to perform. So I think and they he, did use him. They had a big situation yep. late, late in the game and he came through. Yep, exactly. So, I, you know, I think he's just in a good spot where he's being used, the way he's being used and, you know, his, uh, his whole outlook about things. And it's, it's quite a turn, turnaround because I was, a, I have to admit, I thought that guy should, be, should have been gone after last year. Um, and also banned from pitching against Cleveland for the rest of his career. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, no, he's, he's turning around and um, he's an asset now, right now. You know, we've we talked about it a lot. You know, you build your, your staff from the from your closer forward, right? If you get if you got a good closer, it moves everybody up in the game. Guys with good stuff that you're thinking about late inning, move now you add Jorge Lopez and you got two guys that now everybody moves up two spots. And uh, for to have a guy like Pagan, if this turns out to be semi real, to pitch in the fifth and sixth, holy cow. I mean that's that's good stuff. I mean, if you can close the deal in the sixth, I mean, if you can get through the sixth inning with Pagan, and then you've got, you've got these horses that you can run in seven through nine, that's, that's pretty good. And I said at the very beginning, all the, they went out and got starting pitching so they could get to the sixth. With that bullpen, just get me to the sixth somehow. And if you finish the sixth, it's great. But if you, if you give me five and a third or five and two thirds, that's, then, then we got something here. And, and Pagan can be a part of that early, you know, in the middle of the game. By, by the way, are the Twins the only team in baseball that has, like, a big production when the setup man comes into the game? They turn off the stadium lights for Pablo for the, Lopez. For the guy comes into the eighth. Yes, yes. For Jorge Lopez. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. They, all of a sudden, we're sitting there, and they think it comes, and it says, turn on your, your phone, turn on your lights. And there, so everybody turns their lights on their phone. Lights go out, and here comes the entry music for, for Pablo Lopez. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, Jorge Lopez. So uh, you want to – here's my favorite uh, relief pitcher – uh, coming into a game, uh, entrance story. When I played, we didn't have any of this, you know, turn right. lights down. We didn't have any, you know, they, I mean. Did you guys even have lights? No. <laughs> <laughs> they, they put flash, big flashlights up. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, when um, Mo in uh, New York, Mariano Rivera, you know, had enter Sandman and stuff, that was kind of the start of the, you know, the big, you know, the big deal. But when I was playing for the Yankees, we we're playing in, in Milwaukee one day. And, Goose, I, I, I don't remember if he had had a tough day against Milwaukee or what it was, but he, they, he's coming in the game to, to close, the, close the deal. And he, they had, back then they had the car would drive around. You know, yes. They wouldn't run in. Oh, you'd right. you'd yes. ride around in a, you'd ride, ride in on a car. So Goose, you know, was supposed to get in the you know, back seat. So Goose gets in the front seat with the driver, and they're driving in, and, and they pass by the Brewer. They're going to pass by the first base dugout, which is where the Brewers are, and come over to us on the third base side. Goose makes the driver stop. He says, right in front of Milwaukee, 
Doug, stop here. Then he goes, he's scared her death. He says, what, what? He says, stop here. He got out. He says, now go. The driver drives away. Goose walks over to the brewer's dugout and goes, just like that. Walks up to the mound, takes the ball, and his first pitch through to the screen. First, just a, just 100 miles an hour to the screen. It was Brewer hitters come three up, three down. We win the game. That's fantastic. Roy, you've told so many stories since we started doing the show together. You've never told that one before. I can't believe that's the first time I'm hearing it. That's fantastic. <laughs> I told you, I don't know where these bubble up out of. That's, I really don't. They come, they come from somewhere. Oh, man. Uh, so the other reliever we talked about last week was Brock Stewart. Last two games, hold and a victory. Uh, now, he might walk 18 people in any outing, but yeah. the stuff is dynamic. You know, usually you say put the ball in play. Yeah. Nobody's going to be going to walk or strike out. Nobody's yeah. putting that thing in play. Now, um, I talked to Toby Gardenhire yesterday, and he had Brock Stewart last year, and he was like, the first time I saw him throw, I was like, oh, my God, this guy has a live arm. You know, and he said, the numbers don't show it, but he said he pitched pretty good for us last year. And I told the Twins, this could be a guy that can, can, that can help you out. You know, going to the bullpen, all this stuff plays up now. Um, he's healthy. And, you know, fortunately, you know, this is one of those guys you take a chance on that's, that looks like he could pan out. Because yeah. Brock Stewart's going to be that guy that, you know, when Griffin Jackson's worn down or Pagan's worn down, you give him a shot in the seventh inning to see. If you get through the inning. And he's coming in. It's amazing. This Twins bullpen, everybody throws at least 95. Who, like, five, four or five years ago, that was unthinkable. But, you know, Jax is throwing 95, 96. Of course, Pagan. Caleb Theobar is hitting 96. It's, it's crazy. And now they got Brock Stewart in the mix. Well, I would tell you something about Brock Stewart. He's got as good a stuff as anybody out there I'm in the bullpen. Yes. I'm telling you, as good a stuff as anybody. Because the ball move, he throws hard. 97, fastball moves. Cutter, 92. Nobody throws a 92-mile-an-hour cutter that darts that way. Then he's got a bigger breaking ball, and then he's got a changeup. And they're all plus pitches. I'm going to tell you what, this guy, I'd love to see him kind of the Pagan route where he pitches in the sixth and he pitches in the seventh. Right. And, you know, really get comfortable with, hey, my stuff gets big league hitters out. I'll take the eighth. I'll take the yeah, If you need me in the ninth, I'll take the ninth. I mean, this stuff will play, man. It will play. And it's going to be fun to see, watch him build on these positive results because yeah. his confidence is just going to keep going up. And you may even see even a bit more from him. Oh, I think so. Yep. I think so. When I talked to him on Thursday, he was, you know, pitchers like at least projecting the even keel thing. He was damn happy. He was fired up by the way he's pitching. Uh, and, you know, he's, it's been a, he struggled with the Dodgers. He struggled with Toronto. He goes to the minor leagues. He sits out a season. He hadn't pitched in the big leagues since 2019. And now, as you said, he looks like he can, he can pitch with anybody. It's a fascinating story. Also, I'm talking to him, and he mentions Tread Athletic. He mentions Tread Athletic, you know. Joe Ryan and some other pitchers went to driveline. Pablo Lopez worked with the Twins analytics staff. It's like now there's no excuse Pitchers have resources. If they need want to improve, they need to improve. They have resources. Yeah, uh, the driveline guru is it Randy Stewart? Last name was Stewart, right? I think so. Man, he is, he's revolutionized baseball. You know, with his uh, with his facilities and and teaching. And you know, we're in an era now. It's about maximum effort. We don't have guys who are taking a few miles off for the sake of control. You know, they're they're going full tilt. And and Stewart is helping uh, pitchers. You know, to harness that stuff and to improve what they already have. These guys are coming back with better spin rates. Um, they got confidence. They're nasty. 
And it's he's been he's been great for baseball, no doubt about it. Uh, let's do a little business here. By the way, can I go take my golf game to driveline? Think they'd help me with that? <laughs> I'm sure he could put you in uh maybe reduce that spin rate. The rep solo you know? for golf, I think that could work. Yeah. You go to drive <laughs> you go to driveline for your golf swing and you'll be throwing a baseball harder. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Uh, let's do a little business here. Once again, we're live at the Loon Cafe, downtown Minneapolis. You know where it is, right by the ballpark. Best place to pregame. Uh, this show is sponsored by Grain Belt. You know all about Grain Belt. If you'd like a Shell's beer uh, bottle like opener, Shell's feel free to come up and grab one. Come up and make Lavelle laugh. You can get a free Grain Belt hat. <laughs> and the best question of the night will win a Tony Oliva Hall of Fame bobblehead. Uh, that's our big prize for the night. Uh, also want to thank our long, our, our regular sponsors, our longtime sponsors, Aquarius Home Services. We are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Scott here, your Aquarius Home Services radio guy. Remember complaining about how long the winter was? And now it's time to get ready for hot, humid summer days. Be worry-free with your AC and schedule your tune-up with Aquarius. A quality trained technician will do a thorough evaluation, review all the details and recommendations, and answer any questions. At Aquarius, our goal is to always provide amazing service and earn the right to be recommended. We're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Thanks also to all all Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. Also remind you that solar panels are the only home improvement project that pays for itself. Learn more about going solar this spring at All Energy Solar's free webinar by visiting allenergysolar.com slash webinar. And if you want to save money on your solar install, find out what incentives you can qualify for at allenergysolar.com slash coach. So obviously any interest you have in, uh, in solar just go to allenergysolar.com and you'll find everything you need. Also want to let you know about our newest sponsor, First Minnetonka City Bank, where your locally owned community bank. And thanks to one of our newest sponsors on the network, First Minnetonka City Bank, where your locally owned community bank. First Minnetonka City Bank, where your locally owned community bank. Phone calls are answered by real people instead of a never-ending voicemail system. Dedicated financial representatives who really care about your personal, business, mortgage, and investment objectives. First Minnetonka City Bank is an independent community bank that offers the same wealth of products and services as larger banks, yet provides the highest quality customer service that other banks forget. We take the time to develop one-on-one -on -one relationships with our customers. The same banker will work with you year after year, providing the long-term understanding necessary to tailor our services to your changing needs. First Minnetonka City Bank. Stop by or call one of our convenient locations to experience the First Minnetonka difference for yourself. And thanks, as always, to our longtime producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, so the other story I got into on Thursday at the ballpark, Kyle Farmer comes off the disabled list after taking a pitch to the face. He sits out for a month. <laughs> that uh, gets drilled. His face, yeah, his face <laughs> still hurts. He's having trouble pronouncing certain letters. Uh, his, face, his mouth is sore. And he comes up and gets a hit in his first game back. Yesterday, he gets clipped in, the, in his first at bat. Right. Next at bat, he pulls a, a high inside breaking pitch into the left field seats for the longest home run in history. Roy, how hard it is, how hard is it to get in the batter's box and perform like that after getting hit in the face? Well, I, I never got hit in the face. So, I, I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine what the things that must go on in your mind. When the only close I ever came, I got hit by a really good live fastball in the minor leagues uh, right in the ear flap. And, you know, knocked me down, buzzed me pretty, pretty well. But I, I didn't get hurt. You know, I wasn't 
there was no surgery. There was no, I didn't need the training staff. I don't think I had a concussion. So I went out, you know, I played the next night, and I, I go, you know, I, I, I don't feel like, I, I'm not afraid, you know. And, but the, different, the other big difference is that I was a switch hitter. And so I'm on the other side of the plate as the arm uh, of the pitcher. And you can get out of the way. Of, uh, guys from the opposite side, left-handers don't get hit as badly from a right-handed pitcher as a right-handed batter gets hit by a right-handed pitcher. It's just the way it is. And the same left on left. You get me across the other side of the plate. If it's coming at me, it's coming. At, it's not going. It's, I don't have to hang in there and wait to see if it breaks back over the plate, like uh, you know, like right-handers against right-handers. You know, you, you're standing there saying, "Well, if it's a slide, you know, I got it." Well, and then the next thing you know, you get drilled. So it's it's hard, and I have no conception of what that would be like, right going up again, right on right, you know, hitting right-handed against a right-handed thrower. When I just hit, gotten back from having my mouth rearranged. I, that's, I mean, more power to it. He's a tough kid. It seemed like he was determined to get back as fast as possible. Yeah. And I even let that, that self-doubt creep into his, his train of thought. Um, he wanted to get back in the box and, and see live pitches and get after it. And he ended up hitting a 433-foot home run, which is just unbelievable. I'm, I'm happy for the guy. It's, you never like seeing people get hit up there. Uh, I think Matt Lawton got hit in the face once, and and uh, his story was he was lying on the ground, and I think Dick Martin came out and he was like, "I can't see, I can't see," and Dick Martin said, "Open your eyes." <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right." And so he got up, he he ended up being okay, um, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad it wasn't more damage uh, done to Farmer. He was able to get back and. And now he's needed. He's, he's got to hold down third base. And he's good now. Now he's back. Yep. You know, hit a home run, got a base hit, got hit again. You know, I mean, now he's, it's not even on his mind anymore now. You no, know, now he's, he's got the, you know, the, the jaw guard. You know, I, I, know, I know one thing. If I got hit up there and then they gave me protection like that, yeah, I, I think I'd be fine. Okay, that's not going to happen again. So I'm good. That's a great point you made about the switch hitting. I never really thought about that. It's, yeah. it's what an advantage to see it coming from the other side. <laughs> when, I was, when I was 14 years old and I was playing, with all, every pitcher I hit against was about half again bigger than I was. I'm hitting right-handed on right-handed. And I went to my dad and said, you know that idea that you had about me hitting <laughs> switching? I think, I think I'd like to try that. I love it. And by the other thing, Kyle Farmer, great dude. I mean, he is a good guy for them to have in that. He'll play anywhere. He can be your backup shortstop, your third baseman, pinch hitter, uh, and, and great attitude about everything. And that's why I want to bring up the next person we're going to highlight today, Nick Gordon. I mean, his numbers were microscopic for most of the season. They're still not good. You look at, If you hadn't been watching the games and you looked at his numbers, you'd say, oh, my God, this guy's a disaster. Reality is the last week and a half, he's been one of their best players. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that's a good point. Um, he's definitely needed. And once again, I'm just happy that he's found a role in the majors after everything he went through coming up and the injuries and the illness and, and having a couple lost seasons there, you know, coming through the minors. But the guy gets up to the plate. He does not get cheated on a swing. Um, he may be the lightest player in Major League Baseball. I think he's yes. still listed at like 165. Um, but if he sees a pitch he likes, he's turning on the fan, and he is trying to drive that ball somewhere. And it's actually fun to watch see him hit. Um, I thought it was unfair the other day when he had to face Josh Hader, you know, <laughs> who's one of the filthiest lefties in baseball. Uh, but, you know, he can definitely hold his own, and he's, he can fill in in center. 
um, in the outfield. I don't know how they, they can play, play some second base. They're not going to use him at third. It's going to be Willie Castro if it's not Farmer. Um, but, you know, he's, he, he's a guy you can move around and pinch hit and, and get production out of. And, you know, he's the son of a major leaguer. I covered his father. I covered him. That makes me very old. Uh, but, you know, he just looks like he's a comfortable veteran in that clubhouse. Yeah, he's, he's a – I agree with you. I think he's a real important piece of this team. And uh, it, you talk about hitting against Hayden, a left-hander. He went up there to uh, pinch in against a right-hander the other day and, and uh, against San, uh, San Diego. Manager immediately you know, went to the left-hander. He ended up having to hit against the left-hander anyway. And he hit a line drive to left field with two strikes. I mean, he's got some real toughness uh, you know, about him. And, and uh, he's, a great, he's a great kid to have on the field. I waffle back and forth about his swing because it, he's, got, he's got a long swing, and I think – That'll never, that'll never play. That'll, on a day-in, day-out basis, he just, it, it's, it's too long, and good, he won't be able to handle good fastball. I'll see him swing him as a high fastball, strike one. Swing him as a high fastball, strike two. No chance. Third high fastball, whack! Yeah. Okay, where'd that come from, <laughs> right? And then, and then with two strikes, more and more, he's grinding out some, uh, some hits to, uh, to left field. So I don't know what to say about him as a hitter. I really don't, because I... I tend not to like his swing. I tend not to like that the Twins want him, you know, bailing and wailing like, uh, like they've, they've uh, had him do. But he's delivering on, on stuff. And so, you know, what am I going to say? He's, just, he's, a, he's a good kid and a good player. He's not as controversial as his father, though. I wish he had some of that in him. It's <laughs> good for the media. Uh, Flash used to give me some quotes, boy, when he got mad about contracts, contract <laughs> art negotiations. Treat me like a man. You know, just fantastic nick is rather reserved he yeah. saves his emotion for his uh, music career <laughs> he's a nice guy though he's, yeah. and he is fun yeah. to talk to uh, okay somebody i'm a little concerned about and by one more note on nick i mean like i think all of his hits in the last 10 days have been big hits he's a bit, the home runs in, in chicago the hit to the left field off hater the other day i mean again the numbers overall aren't great but man the last 10 days he's been really valuable i'm a little concerned about vasquez Made some mistakes in the field, hasn't blocked pitches, uh, isn't hitting. And I thought that a guy who played in Boston and played on a championship team, there wouldn't be many transition problems, but he just doesn't look comfortable to me. What do you think, Roy? He's gone through a bad stretch yeah. here. There's no question about it, uh, offensively and defensively. And uh, early in the season, he was great calling the game. He was great blocking pitches. Everything looked real uh, big league professional, you know, like kind of like, what you thought you, you and what I thought, you know, you had a chance to get. I thought, man, maybe I like him even better than I thought I, w- than I, thought I was going to. I mm-hmm. uh, had tough at bats uh, against tough pitchers uh, as much as anybody in the lineup. He, you, he was having the grind amount of bats. And then all of a sudden he wasn't hitting um, some kind of a little bit of sloppiness in uh, receiving the ball and blocking, in blocking the ball. A couple of mental, uh, you know, mental things. We go, okay, why did you do that? Um, so I think you can go through streaks like that. You just go through a funk. I'm hoping that I, I'm hoping that's what it is with uh, Vasquez because the way he played for the first month was outstanding. I think his greatest um, contribution is going to be behind the plate instead of at the plate. Um, whatever he does offensively, I think it's a plus. Um, but it, I don't know if it's because – I'm wondering if they need to mix in Jeffers a little bit more just to see if Vasquez needs to be a little fresher sometimes. But I expect to see a guy – 
who was a good pitch caller, who was a good framer, and could control the running game. And there's been some, there's been a few hiccups along the way with that. Um, the throw of the third wasn't totally his fault. I was told by a coach that Miranda's got to work fat, harder to get to third base to catch that throw. And that was another reason they kind of sealed the deal of him being demoted. Um, you know, but, you know, I, I, I like to think he's going to turn around. It's early, and he's a veteran. And uh, I, I'm sure he'll, he'll find a way to, 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 uh, to get back on track and kind of tighten some things up. I, I'm kind of not worried about him. No, I agree. With you. Yeah. That play at third. I do agree that Miranda needed to work harder, hard to get there, and I think Miranda's head was not in a good place. You can see that in a couple of plays he made yeah. that night. But I also think when you're in a tough situation like that, first like game, late innings, you throw to third base, the ball hits the runner in the back as he's standing on third base, you probably shouldn't have thrown it. Yeah, you could argue the decision was, uh, was not the right one. Uh, you're right. That time in the game, late in the game, uh, big, bigger uh, late-game situation, and he took a chance, and he got burned. You know, um, I don't know if he's pulled that off in the past and was, you know, emboldened to try it there. Um, but the safe route would just—it's better to see that happen, like in the fourth inning, a fifth inning, then. Well, when the I would—I would just say, as someone who uh, watched from a very close uh, position, uh, uh, Tim Laudner and Gary Gaetti almost single-handedly win the playoff series against the Tigers. I'm not going to give up on that play. <laughs> I right. I, but I think the points that you guys are making are, you know, you can't just say, okay, th- this is the play we're going to do, and just come hell or high water, I'm firing it down there. I mean, if, the, if you come up ready to fire it down there, and if you see space, then you, then you go. If, they, if there's no chance to get them, they're, they're, there's nothing that says just because you guys thought you might make this play that you have to go through with it. Now, it was a, it was a deci- bad decision. Yeah, I agree. All right, maybe one of the big topics uh, of the season and this month. When will Byron Buxton play center field? And when should he play center field? And I'm only going to, Lavelle, I'm going to limit you. I'm only going to give you two hours to talk about this. <laughs> well, give him all he wants because I got nothing to say about that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting nervous that this thing's going to go longer than I, than I want to see it. Um, I guess a reporter from Chicago approached Buxton about about playing center field. He was like, why? Everything's working right now. We're in first place. You know, I've been able to play a lot of games. Uh, you know, Michael A. Taylor's a, a, a great, you know, backup uh, outfielder who's won gold gloves. Uh, there's no reason uh, for me to go out there. So he's getting comfortable with it. And I, you know, I wrote the column. I still think for the Twins to be at their best, he's got to be affecting the game with his glove as much as well as his bat. I mean, that's why you paid him a nine-figure contract. Um, you want him to be the, the face of the franchise. And you want, I, I know you want him out there every day, but you know what? His first injury last year is when he slid into a base in Boston. You know, as soon as you step on the, as soon as you step on the field, there's a risk of, you, of something happening to you. Um, I like to see him in the outfield. Um, he doesn't have to play every day. You can still DH him a couple times a week. But I just think the Twins are better off with, with, with him in center. Now, I, I get the whole drop-off. Last year, Jake Cave had to go out there. I get that. And signing Taylor was one of their better offseason moves. In, in that regard, and it's going to work. But I think in the long run, um, the Twins have to figure out a way to get him on there. But the way he talked in Chicago uh, in that interview, it's got me thinking this thing may go on for a while. You know, well, I, I guess I do have something to say about it. I, I, I'm shocked. <laughs> First of all, you know, what's, why change things? Royce Lewis jersey. 
Nice. Oh, wow. How nice. about that? Yes. Impressive. <laughs> yes. I there believe. <laughs> we talked about him earlier. Yeah. Going to save the season. Yes. The fact that the, the, the feeling that um, we're going to give away another hat. Yes. yes. There you go. It goes, with, it goes with the jersey. Oh, oh yeah. That there is styling. You're gonna need you're gonna need security. <laughs> the Get feeling ready. that everything is going great. Why why change it? It's not. They're not out in front by 12 games. It's right. not. It's not like they're they're right. killing everybody. They're they are pitching. Uh, they've pitched themselves into first place, and they have not hit, hit themselves there at all. And so the question is, why would I go to center field? Well, because there's probably a better bat. If you go to center field, there's a better bat at night in night out. Than Michael A. Taylor's. I love Michael A. Taylor. Was, I yep. agree with Lavelle. I think it was one, one of the top moves that they made this year. It's great. Not just because you know, they want Buck to take a long time before he gets back in there. Just just to have him on the team. He's a professional player, and I and I, and I like him a lot. But for a team that has not knocked cover off the ball, they are sitting some bats on the bench that are better than Michael A. Taylor, and they can't get in the lineup because Buck won't you know won't or can't or. Or they won't let him go, you know, go to center field. So that that's a problem for me. One, the second thing is think of the uh, number of ways that the Bucks got hurt. He dove head first, bang, you know, it banged his head. That was one. Ran into the wall. That was one. But I mean, he's fouled the ball down on his foot. He's he's hurt himself running. If he's a DH. Are you, he, he can hurt himself. You want him to steal? No, no, we don't want him to hurt himself. Really? You're going to take, are you going to take that away? I know. So it's like, do, do you want this? I mean, you can't go on the field. You can't play baseball, even if all you're doing is hitting, and say, well, I won't get hurt that way. Yes, you will. And he, I mean, it, you can get hurt anyway. So I, I just think he's got to play center. And his, rock, his walk rate's up, too. He's actually drawing more walks right now. And so now, you know, my dream comp for him has been Eric Davis. You know, I, I don't I don't expect Buck to jump up and steal 50 bases in the season, you know, because Eric Davis's best season was when he hit 37 homers, homers and stole 50. Yeah, he was um, awesome. But Buck can steal 20-something bags a year. He oh, can't. in his sleep. And the problem is when he touches the ball, it's not a single. And since he wasn't walking a lot, he's not getting on first that often. But now he's walking a little bit. And I think that should come into play. And my premise for writing the column was also based on calling up Kirilov while Larnick was still here and kind of having a log jam that, Vacating DH would be necessary to happen. Um, but Larnick started struggling. They sent him down. Oh, but your boy Larnick yesterday, two homers. He actually pulled a breaking ball to right for the first homer and clobbered a fastball away over the left field wall for a second homer and then drove, drove, drew walks and the other two uh, played appearances. So um, He's going to hit the big leagues. Yeah, yeah. Buck's got to, for this team to be great, which is the goal, Buck's got to be in center field. Yep. And I understand slow playing it. I understand letting him get comfortable and being cautious. But at some point, he's got to play center field. There's just no way around it. So the question is, if it's going to happen, when will it happen? Well, I think they got to send her down to AAA and let him get a few games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that hurt my heart. <laughs> Either I have it. Oh, that, I'm going to need a defibrillator. He's not, even, he's not even taking fly balls. I know. That's what I'm saying. Good grief. Um, I'm kidding, of course. I, and and if, if there is some plan there, you know, because the story about Carlos Correa talking him into being the DH, is if there's some plan there to have him DH this year, they need to come on and articulate that to us uh, so we can move forward. If they're thinking, well, let's just have a year when he's a DH and then 
you know, we're released to Kraken, you know, in 2024. I wouldn't like it, but at least we would have an idea what the plans are for him. Well, I'm just saying, if you, you don't have Nelson Cruz anymore. You know, you don't have anybody. Right. You, you've got a whole lineup, uh, one through seven, of pretty good hitters. You know, guys that can score enough runs most of the time. But you don't have a thumper in there. And if you had, if you had Nelson Cruz, for example, and when, they, you know, when he was great for the Twins, you can have a ninth hitter that is, you know, they can play great center field and not produce as much as some of the other guys that are sitting on the bench not being able, not being able to play because of, because of Cruz. Right? But you put, you put Buck as a DH, and then that, that sits guys on the bench, it's, it, and it sits your uh, platoon, your DH platoon. There's, there's all kinds of things that, that change. And this, with the struggle in offense, I know Rocco would love to bat Buxton, like, fourth and try to get guys on base and have them drive them in. But he, he can't do that now when he's putting together some of these lineups because, you know, he's having trouble. Because, yeah, where's well, he going to put everywhere exactly. else? Exactly. So he's been batting Buck uh, in the layoff spot. He, I, I don't think – I think he understands that's not the optimum way to use, use Byron. So, you know, it's – hopefully – here's the thing I like. Kirloff comes up, and I was talking to Justin Morneau about this, and he was like, you know, Kirloff has not been uh, – jaded by what's been going on here the first couple months, a couple months of the season. He's come up and said, I, you know, I'm just going to have my own bat, my own bat, and have my, go through my own process and, and, and play my offense uh, while everybody else seems to be starting to press and struggle a little bit. And he's been, he's been productive right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that kid, if he's, if he's healthy, if his hands are okay, he's going to hit. I mean, he's got a great attitude about hitting, and he's got a He's got great mechanics. I mean, really good mechanics at the plate for the kind of hitter he is. I mean, it's really good. And you're right. He's come up and said, this is my program. This is what I do. You don't like it, don't bring me up here. But I'm going to slash the ball to the left, and I'm going to hit breaking balls to the right, and I'm going to take some walks. And, and, and what I love about the idea of Bucks are hitting fourth has to do with Kirilov because they need a fifth hitter. Bucks can hit fourth. They can hit, they can hit uh, Polanco fifth. I like Polanco third when he starts swinging the bat well. Agreed. And then, and then Buck, because Buck's going to strike out a lot. And then if Buck doesn't get him, you need somebody, a Luis Arise kind of guy with power, that's going to give you a tough at bat with two out when, when Polanco and, and Buck didn't pick him up. Or when Polanco gets a hit, but, but you know, Buck doesn't pick him up. Now you got two outs. You need, a, you need that guy, that fifth hitter. And I think Kirloff, of anybody else on the team, I think Kirloff can be that tough guy in that situation. And so I love Bucket for for that reason. I like I like Polanco, Buck, Kirilov. Okay, so even if they decide to really slow play Buxton in center field, even if it takes a lot longer, you have to have him ready for the playoffs. I mean, at the very least, he's got to play in meaningful. If you have big games late in the season, he's got to be your center fielder. And if you play in the playoffs, you have to have him as your center fielder. So if he's got to be your center fielder in the playoffs, you better be playing him sometime earlier than that to make sure he's completely ready for that. That's going to settle itself out. They're going to get down the second half of the season, and they're not going to run away with it with, with, by any means. And they're going to have to you know, fight uh, to, uh, to win the division or to get in the playoffs in some way. And they're going to have to put their best lineup out there, and that's, that, that means Buck in center field. It, it, will happen, it will happen way well before the playoffs. Uh, in my humble opinion. Thinking about your lineup of Polanco, Buxton, and Kirilov is harder to order. That means Correa's got a bat second. 
Yep. And that means Kepler leads off? Well, it's, it's, it, they don't have a leadoff hitter. No. You know, they just don't. No. Royce Lewis. Oh. <laughs> then you have Royce first. You'd have to bat Polanco second. Then Correa third. Uh, no, I you know I like I like Royce Lewis sixth behind Kirilov, yeah, yeah. you know right hander back behind the left hander. Yeah. I, and I, I mean just let him get his feet underneath him a little bit, you know when and we're I mean he may not be up here for a while. We're just we're right. we're, we're penciling him in right now. Us. Yes, we're just salivating. That's all. Um, so the thing about Royce Lewis, just really quickly. Yeah. The other thing about him is he's a terrific athlete. Yes. Yes. I mean he's got a very athletic body. He he plays in a very athletic fashion. So wherever he plays in the field, he's going to make plays. And, uh, you know, I, I really like Jose Miranda, but he doesn't have the he's third, not third base athleticism anywhere close to what Royce Lewis has. Look, when I was at St. Paul a year, was it a year ago? Yeah, a year ago. I was talking to, I, was, I can't remember what player I was talking to. He was like, you know, third base is going to be the position that the Twins hope Miranda can play. I mean, he right. was, he was, I mean, they tried him at second. I think they tried him at you know, first. They moved him around a little bit during his minor league career. But he's not a great athlete. Um, hands, defensively, his hands are okay. Okay. You know, he's going to have to work hard to be adequate. He needs to be put on the Corey Kosky program. <laughs> and, well, you know what? He's got to, he's got to hit a ton. You look at yes, him, you yes. look at the year that he had last year, and you say, okay, that was his rookie year. You build on that, and just, you know, every year for the next two years, three years, you get a little bit better. You become a stud. You're going to play third base. I mean, you just are. Yep. You, it, but that, that route to studdom, you know, <laughs> took a little detour here. And so he's going, to, he's, going to have to, he's going to have to hit his way back here big time. He had a throwing error yesterday. <laughs> All right. One last topic. Once again, thanks to Grain Belt. Thanks to Loon Cafe, downtown Minneapolis, steps from Target Field. Uh, thanks to everyone who came out to the Loon Cafe tonight. We appreciate it. And thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton. Last topic, this team's in first place. Pitching's been very good. It does feel like, and I had a Twins official tell me this the other day, it does feel like they could be six games better at this moment. I mean, it feels like they had a chance to run away with the division, and they didn't, even though they're in decent shape, they didn't take it. Roy? Well, that's true. Uh, they, could, they could be six games better uh, based on... You know, it's one thing when you say, you know, they're hit, uh, a team's hitting a ton, and then they give it up on the mound. You say, well, we could have been six games better, but, but that's not how you get six games better usually. Usually you get six games better because you're pitching like crazy and you, and you play good enough defense and good enough offense to win these games. And they had games won that they didn't, you know, they didn't finish. And it, to me, it was more on the offense than it was on yep. the pitch. I mean, Okay, they gave up a two to one lead. Well, can you score five runs yeah, once score in a while? Five runs, yeah. You know, just just once in a while. And so, uh, yes, they could they could be they could have be way out in front. But I will say this: every year, every club that wins the the division is going to look at games. You know, they September first. They're going to look at games. And go, man, you know, we could have we could have we could have we should have. And there were going to be games that you don't think about a whole lot that. Um, they shouldn't have won that game, you like know, Nick but, Gordon getting hit off Hater, you know. Yeah, I mean they shouldn't. Have, that shouldn't have happened, yeah. you know. It, quote shouldn't have right. happened. So the it, it's early in the season yet to say they could have been because there's another going to be another streak where they get handed games or you know whatever. So, I, but I'm with you. I mean I feel the same way. In a perfect world, the way they were pitching, they should be another six games up. If they 
were batting just 220 with the bases loaded, they'd be six games up. Yeah. This is unbelievable. It's almost where it could be a defensive uh, strategy for opponents just to let the Twins load the bases. Because they're not going to – they're batting like under 150 with the bases loaded. When you should – it should be easier to hit in those situations. All you have to do is put the ball in play and you score runs. I'll also say this. My pet peeve, modern baseball. And I love almost everything about modern baseball now with the pitch slot. My pet peeve, taking a called third strike with runners in scoring position. And I know it's hard to hit. I get it. But I hate the give-up aspect of that. So when that happens, it's, a, it's the best indication that we got. A, they have a whole lot of hitters with their minds messed up at the play. I mean, that's a, taking, a, taking a third strike with, with men on base, that's, that's your – you have a, you're having a brain hemorrhage at the moment, you know. I mean, it, it, and or you don't have a great plan when you go in there to begin with, and then by the time you get to two strikes, then it's all you now you're just wide-eyed. You don't know what the hell to do. I, I I think the the biggest characteristic of the Twins' lineup that I've seen so far this year is that their plan at the plate is either it's not good or they're not uh, disciplined enough to work the plan that they've got. And I, I, here's what I see. Go up and take a fastball strike, strike yep. one. Yep. Okay, you're, you think this guy's going to throw your breaking balls. Okay, look for the breaking ball. Here comes a breaking ball, strike two. I'm going, well, okay, which one was it? Right, what are you looking uh, for? Or, or, this is my pet peeve. The guy says, well, you know, they say that, you know, two and one, he throws this, one and one, he throws this, and this, and this. And you're guessing on pitches and conceivably, you could be wrong. If you guessed on every pitch, you could be, could wrong, be wrong every, every time for, for 500 at-bats. For, for 2,000 pitches, you could be wrong every time. So, I mean, the plan is, how's this guy going to try to get me out? What am I going to look for until I get to two strikes? And then if I do get to two strikes, then I know I can't hit the way I want to anymore. I can't say I'm looking for a fastball in and I'm, I'm going to juice this ball. It's got to be I'm looking for the ball out of the plate. I'm going to put the ball in play somewhere that way. And then if he jams me, he jams me. But I'm going to be able to hit everything else. There just isn't a, a delivery on a plan. Yep. Also, Carl's career has been awful. Generally, yeah. Well, but you know what? But, 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 but he'll hit. I think he will. But, but he's, been, he's been doing the same. He's been doing, it's, it's like, okay, I don't get what it is that you're thinking about taking this pitch and swinging it that right. way. And, and, it's like, and it's not just... I mean, it's hard to hit. I swung at a million sliders in the dirt. I, you know, I'm not. <laughs> and guys are gonna, guys are gonna do that. But if it's happening over and over and over, then you got to do something else. You got to look for a slider so that you see you don't, you see it. If it's in the dirt, you don't swing at it. If you're looking for it, you won't swing at it. If it's not a, if it's not a good pitch, yeah. or you, or or you, you move your focus around on the field so that you can hit more, you know, pit. You do something else, but you don't. Just swing at the first thing you see. I mean, it, it's every time. It's like you couldn't have been looking for that pitch. And when you drive a ball toward the bullpens, don't just start jogging the first. <laughs> well, that's very the way, true. When the ball ends up falling short of the wall. That is very true. <laughs> no doubt about it. All right. Hey, this is fun. Thank you all. Thanks to Grain Belt. Thanks to Loon Cafe. The gentleman who mentioned Edward Julien come up and you get the bobblehead. Um, and... Uh, Check out TalkNorth.com for all the sports shows, outdoor shows, variety shows. We do appreciate it. Uh, we'll hope to see you in downtown Minneapolis again soon. Here's your bobblehead. Thank you very much for the question. I appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Thank you, sir. 
Uh, so for Lavelle Neal, for Roy Smalley, for Brandon Morton, I'm Jim Suhan. This is TalkNorth.com. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. Hey, give Roy a hand. Yay, Roy. Yeah, Roy.